Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Coming up, we talk about some NFL players destined for new teams. Oh, he's no longer a stealer. And more draft news with players who may or may not be ready. I'm not only worried about the height, Paul, I'm worried about the weight. We look at the coaching vacancies not yet filled. Let's take from the McVeigh tree, but from the last time I looked, McVeigh's tree was still a short little stump. Some coaches not yet hired. I think that's what scared off a couple of prospective uh, buyers for his services. And look at the coaches who did land new jobs. I think this is the guy that's going to get the best out of Aaron Rodgers. But This is the Scout Honor Podcast with inside information. Then all of a sudden he wakes up this morning and says, you know what, I'm heading to Cleveland instead. And unique perspective. Once they put that tape measure on Kyler Murray, you're going to see teams running away. From Super Scout Dave T. Thomas and your host, Paul Crane. Hello again, everyone. I'm Paul Crane, back with the publisher of the NFL Draft Report, who has literally been writing player reports and has really written a book on the draft for the NFL and its teams for more than four decades, and the director of operations of Scouting Services, Inc., Mr. Dave T. Thomas. And Dave T., in the NFL, man, oh man, it's been a crazy week, and it's about to get crazier. Hey, I told you folks last week what was going to happen. We were going to see those head coaching positions go boom, boom, boom really early in a week. Now what we're going to be seeing from now through Mobile at the Senior Bowl is putting together the staffs. The man that really jumped out on the ball was Tampa Bay Buccaneers, not only bringing in Bruce Arians, Arians already had his staff in place, and he's putting together one hell of a bunch of assistants down there. I think we're going to see a different Jameis Winston come to down. That in itself is somewhat stunning considering what we've uh, said here about Winston in particular and what we've seen since his days at Florida State. Is that something there uh, with Bruce Arians, someone that's got experience as a head coach who has prepared for wherever it was he was going and now that we know where it is, like he was as ready as anyone could be? Well, not only did he show up with an NFL uh, gear uh, hat on, but this was a coach that before he even accepted the job down there, the first thing he said to the general manager was, give me Jacine Jackson's phone number. Gets on the phone, talks to the disgruntled wide receiver. I think right now, what we're seeing right now, he's doing his little whispering. He got into Jackson's ear. He had to gauge what was going on, especially with an Antonio Brown on the market. One trade of a disgruntled wide receiver for another could have been a possibility. I still say that Antonio Brown is killing himself out there because teams are starting to get scared that this is another Terrell Lawrence. Well, we'll get to some of the other head coaches. We were going to get to Brown, but why not uh, go there since you've already touched that base? Uh, You had indicated earlier in the week you thought the Raiders were talking with Pittsburgh for Antonio Brown possibly, but who knows what's going to happen. What what do you think is now going to happen with Antonio Brown and the Steelers moving forward? 
Oh, he's no longer a stealer. They're going to have to trade him. They're probably going to get no more than a second-round draft pick from him. You know, people say, you know, look around the league. Where could he probably find a place to play? New England, I'm sure Bill Belichick will offer a number two for him. I look at some of the problem children he's had up the years that really got into line. Corey Dillon comes into uh, folk. I'm looking at a situation over here where the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. If they trade away the guy, they know they obviously have a number one in Juju uh, Schuster-Smith. However, is James Washington ready to step up into the number two role? No matter whether they keep him or not, they are looking at a $21 million cap hit. Wow. So how will that play into other teams dealing with him? And again, going back to the Raiders who have those three number ones, but they can't deal them with everyone. And looking at what they've done in the past, do you think they might be a team that the Steelers could hold out for? Or how long are they going to put up what? clearly will become under a magnifying glass to a lot of people. Hell, I think a couple of years from now, we're going to see the skeletons coming out of the closet down at Pittsburgh. They got a problem with that quarterback down there. Unless they put duct tape on his mouth, they're going to continue to have a problem in the locker room. Look at some of the coaches that uh, were terminated. Look at one coach that almost had a coaching job at Denver that's still talking with Denver about leaving for a lesser role than he has on the offensive line over there. And Mike Munchak. Something's going on. I think that the culture change right now should have been timeline out the door. All right. Well, that's the situation in Pittsburgh, which is one of those that we hadn't talked about making changes necessarily. We've got the teams that have and the teams that haven't. So why don't we move to the teams that haven't yet? We've got Miami and Cincinnati. We've been hearing a lot with the Miami Dolphins uh, looking at New England linebacker coach Brian Flores. What are you hearing about the Dolphins head coach opening? You know, Steve Wilkes was a sharper mind than Brian Flores, and meanwhile, the Miami Dolphins are going for Brian Flores. Cincinnati, they figured, okay, listen, let's take from the McVay tree, but from the last time I looked, McVay's tree was still a short little stump. I mean, here you're coming in, you're bringing Zach Taylor in. Why are you going this route when you had so many men out there? Honestly, if I'm Cincinnati right now and I really want to put the screws out there after the embarrassment of playing the Browns twice this year, what uh, Baker Mayfield did, I go ahead and hire Greg Williams and really put the screws to that division. (laughs) That situation would certainly create something. It it seems like it would get in Baker Mayfield's head considering that all the attention to that lack of handshake after he played the Bengals uh, when Hugh Jackson came over to say something to him. But another name that we've been hearing associated with Cincinnati is the Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. but that seems to have quieted also. Where, where are these teams, Miami and Cincinnati, going to go? Well, you know, you look at the Bieniemy situation while Kansas City's offense is really excelling and everything. It's really nothing more than a puppet over there. He doesn't call the plays and everything, and I think that's what scared off a couple of prospective uh, buyers for his services. I, I think what you're looking at right now is that Cincinnati going with a Zach Taylor. Okay, that might be the vogue over there, but could this be where uh, Zach Taylor, Brian Flores turn into next year's uh, uh, Greg Wilkes? I'm looking at that situation and saying yes. Wow, so Zach Taylor, the Rams quarterback coach, again in the situation of calling plays, not calling plays, and, and which brings me to what the Green Bay Packers did, Matt LaFleur, 
one year in Tennessee as the offensive coordinator. That was his first year calling plays. He spent a year with the Rams, but now Matt LaFleur in his first head coaching job has to deal with the Aaron Rodgers situation. I think what we're looking for are a bunch of coaches out there that don't know how to shave it. And, uh, you know, LaFleur, I tell you one thing, LaFleur is one hell of a mind. I think this is the guy that's going to get the best out of Aaron Rodgers. But I look at Aaron Rodgers right now, and his clock is going tick, tick, tick instead of tick, tock, tick, tock. I think it's time they start looking. I, I, I think Kaiser has proven not only in Cleveland at Notre Dame, but also in that final with Green Bay. He's not the answer of Aaron Rodgers goes down while green bay continues to move forward another place that may had an opening was uh, from the miami dolphins adam gase didn't waste any time going to the jets there was all sorts of things going on especially with mike mccarthy and i think that surprised a lot of people what do you think about adam gase going as soon as he was let go from the dolphins all of a sudden bang the jets jumped in and wrapped them up well, you got to look at the situation that happened with Denver with Munchak. You got to look at the situation with the Jets with McCarthy and also Matt Rule. These were three head coach candidates over here that said, "Listen, you're not putting together my staff for me," and that's what went on in Denver, and that's what has gone on in New York. Do you think Adam Gas really wants Greg Williams as his defensive coordinator? Do you think that they brought Greg Williams in there just to run the D.C.? He's over there to look over Aaron Gas's shoulder. I mean, you look at what happened down in Miami. There's a reason Miami let him out the door and it wasn't because of Ryan Tannehill. You know, he's, uh, how could I put it, he's one of those guys that sleeps in, his, uh, in the coach's office, and sometimes that's not a good element. I, I, I just don't see the gas situation as being the right way. I would have thought that McCarthy to have a guy that would come in over there and say, you know what, guys, let's run this like a Marine barracks. I think we got a lot of, how could I put it, uh, loose cannons up with the Jets right now. I don't think gas is going to be able to reel them all in. The situation with McCarthy, which seemed to be so hot, and you thought it was virtually a done deal, but it did come down to the Jets were going to, the front office was going to pick members of the coaching staff, and if a head coach comes in and can't pick his own staff, that creates a problem. I, I wouldn't be surprised that Mike McCarthy would walk away from something like that. It's like, you know, you're out there and you're dating a girl throughout through high school and college and all of a sudden you graduate and your dad says, okay, I picked your wife for you. I mean, that's the situation that McCarthy went in. This was an established coach. He knew what he wanted. He had his staff in place and all of a sudden, here's a guy, Chris Johnson, that's one year on the job because his brother over there decided to go hang out with a guy at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Now all of a sudden you got this guy in, you got a general manager that shouldn't be a general manager and they're telling a guy like McCarthy, hey, here's the guy we want you to pick. That's not going to happen. Not going to happen and didn't happen. So it looks like Mike McCarthy will be on the sidelines for a year, which you had mentioned a couple of weeks ago could happen. You think he might go TV for a year and wait to see what happens for next season? Why not? Look what happened with Bruce Arians. I mean, how many years have we been out there since Cowell walked away from Pittsburgh and he usually is a candidate? This was the first year I didn't even hear Cowell's name being mentioned. <laughs> Great point. Look at look at Chucky out with Oakland. I mean, he won a decade before he stepped back in. Okay, uh, of course, when he stepped back in, he stepped into something that your dog left on the street, but, you know. Well, he got a piece of the team and a and hundred million dollars. That that seems like it'd be worth waiting for if you were going back and forth between television and and coaching again. You know, even though we brought Mike Mike, why do I? 
seeing that lady sitting uh, crocheting in front of a guillotine, and I'm looking at Grudem right now as Napoleon at his Waterloo. In what regard? In what regards? Let's see what they do in a draft with those three first-round draft picks, my friend. <laughs> I mean, you know, all of a sudden, you look at trading away Khalil Mack for number 24. You look at trading away uh, Mary Cooper for, what, probably a 27 or a 28. I mean, that's not exactly getting value for what you had is for your diamonds in your jewelry case. Mm, great point. We're going to get to players in the coming upcoming draft, but we're going to... Paul, do you really think that Derek Carr is going to be there come 2019? No, well, you've been um, saying for months at... he's not. You said for months oh, he's not. Oh, my God. I, I, I'm telling you, if Chucky has his way, Derek's going to be out the door. Right now, I think the first quarterback that will move off the board is a Baltimore Raven, and he's going to end up down at Jacksonville. I see Flacco playing for the Jaguars next year. Well, that's where I was about to head before we talk about some of these other coaching things. As I mentioned, we're going to get to the draft and some players ranging from the current Heisman Trophy winner to some others requested by one of our listeners. But before we do that, since you touched on it, you see a lot of situations. You've been talking about Jacksonville in one form or another for many weeks. So Joe Flacco clearly seems to be his time in Baltimore is done. How do you see the offensive situation and quarterback situation shaking out now in Jacksonville moving forward? Well, you might as well send Flacco down there because we'll probably see John Harbaugh down there in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Maroon's going to hold on to his job after next year. I mean, if they get if they stumble and fumble coming out of the blocks, you're going to see Marone and Coughlin walking out the door after 2019. I think Jacksonville is a good place for Flacco to go. If not, Jacksonville head a little bit more south in the state of Florida and head down to Miami. Both of them definitely need a new signal call. How involved will either or both of those be in terms of the Flacco sweepstakes once they open? Oh, come on. Look at the quarterbacks that are coming out in this year's draft. Everybody's probably saying if I was going to blow it too bad, I didn't blow it in 2017, so I could have had one of those five from the 2018 draft. This is not a quality draft. This is a draft where we're going to have second rounders like a Daniel Jones and a Haskins going in the first round. Because we always see quarterbacks go higher than they probably should because teams start overvaluing what is clearly the most important position on any team. Yeah, but if I'm in the front office right now and I'm looking around the league and I'm looking at teams like Indianapolis where their defense suddenly came to life the second half of the season, and I'm looking at a draft right now where 13 out of my top 15 guys are defensive linemen, uh, somebody might want to go grab one of those guys that are going to say, yum, yum, eat him up on your quarterback and get a quarterback itself. Exactly. Uh, before we move to some of these other teams, and again, we'll be getting to some players, but you, you had referenced Gary Kubiak. Uh, the, a fallout with John Elway. Kubiak, we thought, was uh, going to become a hot commodity on the offensive coordinator market. I know there was uh, there were reports that the Atlanta Falcons uh, were interested. The Falcons went ahead and put together their staff. Dirk Cutter is the new offensive coordinator, Mike Malarkey, the tight end coach. But Gary Kubiak now not staying in Denver where Vic Fangio finally has his first head coaching job. What's going on uh, deeper in Denver, and what do you ultimately see happening with Gary Kubiak? I see him following Flacco to Jacksonville. If not, he possibly could end up at Arizona, and we'll get on to that kerfuckle pretty soon anyway because that's a disaster out here in Phoenix. Uh, what happened is 
someone has to sit down among those two ownership groups in Denver and say, John, listen, you were a great quarterback, but you suck running my front office and get him the hell out of there. I mean, Munchak uh, bolts at the door saying, I don't want this job. Uh, I don't see Denver ending up in a better situation than they had last year with Vance Joseph. I mean, you brought in an aging defensive coordinator who was begging for a head coaching job, and he wasn't even your first choice. From what I heard, he was their fourth choice. The situation in Denver, anything but settled, and you kind of referenced one that's gotten so much attention the past week that we haven't dived into yet, so let's go. Arizona, Cliff Kingsbury, fired by Texas Tech, Longtime college coach took the offensive coordinator job at Southern California. Next thing you know, some NFL teams are calling him. There was all sorts of an issue there with Lynn Swan, the athletic director at USC. But ultimately, Cliff Kingsbury gets the Arizona Cardinal head coaching job. Yeah, he gets a job in which, you know, he, he is a good young mind. Look what he did with Patrick Mahomes down at Texas Tech, but he got booted out of Texas Tech. He then ends up going down to USC, and Lynn Swan, you should have held your guns over there. You only walk out with 150 k in your pocket. But now you end up in a situation where they brought in a guy that wasn't even head coach ready last year in Wilkes. Now they're bringing in another guy over here in Kingsbury. Look at the assistant coach problem that went on. Here you do, you have Sarkeesian, which I said, God almighty, what was he doing out of Atlanta in the first place? And this was his first choice as offensive coordinator. Sarkeesian takes the job and then says, you know what? I'm heading back to college. Stump Mitchell, one of the best running back coaches around, the guy who discovered David Johnson, accepts the running back coach job. Then all of a sudden, he wakes up this morning and says, you know what? I'm heading to Cleveland and instead. Why? These assistant coaches are afraid this could be another one and done here in Phoenix. The biggest problem in Phoenix is the general manager. Now we're hearing the head coach out there making all goo-goo-wise on Kyler Murray as a quarterback. Could the Arizona Cardinals go ahead and take Kyler Murray with the first pick in the draft? Hey, crazy things that happen. I say, hey, wait till we get to February. Let's get into Indianapolis. Paul, once they put that tape measure on Kyler Murray, you're going to see teams running away. Paul, this guy is so freaking small, man, that when he sleeps at night, he sleeps in a sock. He's the only dude I know that goes out to play mini golf, and he calls it golf. Golly. Well, I know you had been critical of Kyler Murray, Murray, not not necessarily as a player, person, or anything like that, but as an NFL quarterback, in addition to what he did to Major League Baseball, having made it very clear he would commit to baseball if someone drafted him high enough to give him a multi-million dollar deal. All that seems to be going out the window. So Kyler Murray, even with all his obvious skills that he was finally able to show at Oklahoma, how do they translate to the NFL when you say that you said he was 5'9"? I think the Oakland A's indicate he may be even shorter than 5'9 when they get those official NFL tape measures on him. He's going to need his mother to help him to cross the street to get over into Lucas Oil Field from the hotel. I swear to God, once he sits up in front of those other guys, I'm not only worried about the height, Paul, I'm worried about the weight. I mean, you step into the NFL. I don't know. I, I look at him right now. You know who he reminds me of? Antoine Randall L. when he was uh, over at Indiana. Ends up going into the league as a quarterback and immediately turned into a wide receiver. 
I could possibly see that with Kyler Murray, but if I'm Billy Bean right now, I'm an angry man. Here I am. I handed this guy $4.5 million plus a first-round draft pick that I used that I'm not going to be able to get back. I paid this guy, and now all of a sudden he's saying I'm not going to show up. Me, if I'm Billy Bean right now, I'm going to say, screw you. You're not going to the Combines in February. You're coming down here. you got to be here reporting to spring training. If not, I'll sue. I'll get an injunction, and I'll prevent you from getting out there doing the thing. Yes, I think that's an important point. People overlook, certainly anyone has the right to live their life the way they want and but Kyler Murray in advance of last year's amateur draft in Major League Baseball made it very clear to teams if they would draft him high as a first rounder, he would absolutely commit to baseball. And the Oakland A's believed him. They gave him the draft choice, the money and allowed him to play one more year of college football. And now this. Look at the Oakland A's. They get by on developing talent. Now they are, you know, they might get that $4.5 million back. Most definitely they will if they go to court on this thing. But the thing is, Major League Baseball is not going to give them that first-round draft pick back. That was, that was their problem now. So now what I got to do, it's the same thing with a head coach in college. All of a sudden, here's these guys coaching. Oh, I got a better job. I'm leaving. Somebody else is coaching my kids over in a bowl game. And then they wonder why these kids going into the bowl game decide, hey, I don't want to play either. We really got to start changing this culture. And somebody somewhere is going to have to say, you're going to have to honor a contract. Once the actual NFL tape gets put on Kyler Murray, what kind of change is that going to make? If you think that his magic is going to go on that football field when a 300-pounder falls on his butt, I'm not seeing it. Hey, you want to go ahead and use the first-round draft pick on him? God bless. That's the general manager that we'll be seeing out on Black Monday come 2020. What about the situation now in Arizona? Josh Rosen... And if they were to bring in Kyler Murray, how do you see that situation possibly developing and Josh Rosen's long-term future in Arizona, whether they bring Kyler Murray in or not? You look at Rosen. Let's go back to UCLA. What would happen over there where we killed Jamara's career, uh, where he turned around that uh, after he was drafted, I'm going to make 31 teams mad that they didn't take me. I mean, you turn around and look at an immature type of quarterback, great talent out there. Him and Kingsbury would probably get along a whole lot better than he would with Murray. But all of a sudden, if you bring if you bring Murray into the door, how do you think that's going to act with Rosen? You're not going to get value for either one of them if you put them on the trade market after that. I was just going to say, the way Josh Rosen started and had all the question marks from about his personality and leadership ability, if nothing else, not his physical quarterback skills, if, if you put him on the trade market, I, I, I don't know. I just see it being potentially combustible. Oh, most definitely. Uh, even if you look at the mediocre talent that, well, I'm not saying mediocre, but after 2018's draft, this draft doesn't hold a candle to it at the quarterback position. And this is going to make those veterans, the Joe Flacco's out there, even the, 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 the Taylor's up at Cleveland, these are going to be guys that people are going to look at for a stopgap. Uh, you look at Nate Sudfeld with Philadelphia, what's going on over there. He's going to be a restricted free agent. And you know that Doug Williams loves him at uh, Washington. And they got an issue going on over there with Alex Smith's health. 
I think that right now we we don't have enough quarterbacks out there to fill everybody's roster. A situation we're going to discuss uh, significantly as we move toward the draft and through the offseason, but we've got a couple of other players I want to mention because we had a listener request specifically, and, and let's get to that as we're getting to the time of year where we're going to be talking about all sorts of players, positions, and the upcoming NFL draft. But we had a listener want to know what are your thoughts let's start with the first one a quarterback since we were talking about quarterbacks buffalo quarterback tyree jackson you know i here's a situation where i'm turning around and saying why are you walking out the door you look at a gangly quarterback out there okay he did have some good numbers but it's more numbers because of a coach that i am telling everybody to watch because he could be the next uh, next internet lance leopold Actually, to be honest with you, the kid that left there that lost the job for the battle of number one, Drew Anderson, is a better pro prospect than Jenkins himself. I, I, I look at the thing where here's a quarterback. They ended up with 10 wins this year. He had a good season and everything else. But, guys, this was the MAC conference. This was not the NFL. I, I just don't see this guy being drafted. You go back and look at a couple of years ago. I, I can't remember his first name, but the last name was Stafford Virginia Tech. As soon as Justin for what they showed down there, this junior college kid really lit up the board. He got hurt near the end of the season, decides to come out as a junior. Somebody whispered in his ear he's a first-round draft pick. He would have been a first-round draft pick if he stood at Virginia Tech. Instead, Evans came out. Now what's he doing from one practice squad to the next practice squad? I see the same thing happening right now. We see that so often with players who get agents in their ears or something like that and think their value is much higher to come out early. Some, some obviously, underclassmen make a good decision to come out, but so many make a bad decision. Now I tell you, a guy that I would take in the first round out of that school but will probably go late in two and someone could have an Anthony Miller type. That's the wide receiver, Anthony Johnson. I'm not saying he's another Khalil Mack, but folks, watch that linebacker over there, Khalil Hodge. These are two guys that I'm seeing hearing their name calling at the end of April. I don't see Jackson's name being called. One other player we had a listener request a comment on, Clemson offensive tackle Mitch Hyatt. Your thoughts on him? Oh, boy, did he have yum-yum eat him up in, that, uh, in the championship game Very against uh, Bugs? And Bugs was a physical guy. I like Hyatt, but right now I'm looking at Hyatt more as a guy that I might play at left guard. I need for him to get strong. That's one of the biggest problems I have with him. He's a good technician. He's got good retreat skills and everything else. But until he could develop that punch, until he could develop that explosion coming off the ball, I'm a little scared about using him as my LT at the NFL level. I see him as probably anywhere between rounds three and four. Uh, Jackson, I would not draft. This is what is starting to get me so excited. We're going to have the preeminent pre-draft analysis from the man who does it better than anyone else. I like a couple of my interns at the office. It was like right after the bowl season, and we're going, oh, we could get a couple of days off. What are you talking about? This phone has been nonstop <laughs> over here since the bowl season ended because all the scouts, all the coaches that are attending these bowl games, the NFLPA, the Gridiron Bowl, the East-West Shrine 
game the senior bowl, all of a sudden, these coaches have never seen these kids play. Dave, what do you got on Sony? Give me the reports on all the wide receivers. We're hopping right now. And isn't that one of the reasons why some of these other staffs, like the Atlanta Falcons, for example, you can't wait for a Gary Kubiak who may or may not become available. That not that why Dan Quinn and the front office moved to make sure they'd hire Dirk Cutter and the rest of their staff so that they could go into the offseason fully staffed, knowing that they would all be on the same page and be able to gather the information in the way they want? Well, not only gather information on these young kids out there, the teams now are scrambling to gather their information on a prospective free agents. Mm-hmm. Understand the free agency period goes down before the draft. So whatever you fill with a veteran player, great. Whatever you don't fill with a veteran player, you then all of a sudden have to look and see, is there a square peg out there that's going to fit into my round hole? These are all part of what we'll be discussing at length moving forward to the draft. As always, Dave T., really appreciate the information. And again, we'll focus more on the Senior Bowl in particular next week. And as always, we thank you for listening and welcome you back for our next Scouts Honor podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.